Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, will you join me in welcoming to the stage uh, our host, uh, Ruth Smith, and her panelists, uh, Paul Brennan, Declan McGrath, and Dermot Diskin. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here with you, um, with the panellists Stuart Hur, Declan McGrath, uh, Shkeli, Paul Brennan, August Agrahor, uh, Dermot Diskin, and um, we will be starting a Q&A now, but just to, to get things going, I'm going to throw a few questions your way first. Um, <laughs> Declan, this is my second time seeing it. I saw it down in the uh, film flat in Galway as well, and I was so looking forward to seeing it again. There's so much in this movie. It's not just about music, it's about our joint humanity and how that's tied into uh, the music that is so important, the music at the margins. Um, and I suppose the kind of burning question I want to ask you is where this all began, where this idea for this movie began, and what inspired you to tell this wonderful story? Um, so thanks, th thanks Ruth, for your lovely words. Uh, th thanks a lot, yeah. Um, yeah, th those were the kind of things we were trying to hit in, in this film. Um, I suppose for me, from a, a lot younger age, I kind of was it. I knew about. I, I slowly found out about Lomax. But to be honest, through his, cause I, effectively, I just love music. You know, music was probably one of the most important things in my life. And when I you you found out, you started listening to people. Maybe like the, the, the people that kind of started invented rock and roll that we have now, like the likes of David Bowie, Van Morrison, the Beatles, uh, Bob Dylan. They all, they all would reference Alan Lomax. And even today, like in the most recent albums of uh, Bruce Springsteen or Jay-Z and uh, Beyonce, Alan Lomax is included. So it was through that kind of rock music that I thought that, that Alan Lomax is very important. And what those people were referencing is that they drew upon the recordings that we had mentioned in the film by people like Lead Belly and Muddy Waters. So that was my just fascination with this man. Um, and then when you found out more, because we, we just think music is so important, and he went out and he saved it, he, he devoted his life to music, so, so that's fascinating. And then further to that, you find out that he actually thought about music, and why it's so important to us as people, and why we should save it. So there's just so much of interest to look at. Yeah. And then you discover that he's actually so important to our own culture, here in Ireland, and to our own music. And, uh, so obviously you have to do it like that stage. <laughs> so if that, yeah, that, that's how I get interested in the topic. Yeah. Um, and then, then it's kind of a, a process of uh, bringing people on board. Posture Paul will explain how like, mm -hmm. his own thing and, and like, we're working with Dermot and raising money, getting Because uh, actually I should say you wouldn't, get, wouldn't make a film like this without uh, a broadcaster like TJ Carr backing it or the, like, the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland that, allow us to put the resources in to do something like that about, about our culture. Um, so that they, then, yeah, you're raising money in the practicalities, but that's mm -hmm. it. And it, it's, it's quite an informative film, but it's also a really buoyant uh, concept, because I think 
even more so than ever, um, the idea of building walls, like we heard, uh, I'm not sure, I think it was Nicholas Carlin maybe talking about the idea of building walls. Um, and, uh, you know, even more so, it's about melting those away and, and allowing cultures to, to see the similarities in themselves. Um, and that was definitely shown in the movie. So I remember coming away from it the first night, just feeling a huge sense of kind of, yeah, we're going to be okay <laughs> if we can go back to the well. So thank you very much for, for the yeah. work that you did to make that come together. Yeah, thanks for your kind words. Paul, if I could ask you, it's, it's a real journey um, watching this and for you to tie together so many layers of your family history um, and your musical history and your passion for music, Thank you for bringing us on it, um, but can you t tell me when you first became aware of Adam Lomax through your neighbour? Well, I'd, um, I'd heard of him, obviously, before, um, before we, we started the project, and mainly in passing, and you would have heard him coming up with different songs as we would be uh, going back with early Planet times, Planet days. Um, his name would be referenced, but I think going on the journey with Declan, it only became uh, like the Goodnight Irene. I, I kind of knew it way back in the day because we'd, we'd sung it in Gidor. And uh, so it was only during uh, the, the process when we started filming that some of those little jewels were coming up. And obviously then being drawn into the days that we would be collecting songs ourselves for you know the second album that you were putting <laughs> you, know, you put up on the, on the website recently mm -hmm. you know for clan of the door for galen projects we would be actively doing the same thing going around so it was it was a great story to to get into you know yeah. and of course it's a bigger story with him and you know it's very political and, and you know there's there's there are aspects of his history in america that is that is not very clear, you know, that, that not everyone loved him, you mm. know, that he had to do different things. He was, he, you know, he was, <laughs> you know, yeah. he, had he was be. an idealist. He and, was, yeah. yeah he and, was. and that showed as well when he was talking about the idea of mass communication and it being a one-way thing, you know, to, to really wake us up to the idea that collecting folk music is, yeah. it's almost like a, an act of defiance, you know, yeah, kind of going he, to the he, margins. He was a dreamer, You'd, mm. you could see that. He was a dreamer and he pushed he pushed it. He pushed it to the limit. But I think what he got out there when when he would would be in the Mississippi Delta or wherever, he would get those gifts that would be given to him that that drove him on. You know? I, I think one of the standout parts of, of watching this as well is that when when someone took the mic and started addressing Roosevelt. You know this <laughs> idea that the microphone, yeah. the power of the microphone, yeah. and I think we take that for granted now because we can record so much and archive so much that this was essential, essential to for survival of so much culture. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, Dermot, if I can ask you, um, the, the, the God in the editing, um, I mean, it is a journey, and to, to kind of show the similarities, I think that the scene with the band, the Kale Kaley band, um, the, the archival footage, um, Aggie White playing Miss McLeod's Reel, wasn't it? And, uh, and then jumping to the square dances over in the, the Midwest. Um, there was a lot of archival footage in this, and kind of uh, wrangling that, was that, your job was it a collective job? Was it uh, done between us? Yeah. But um, uh, just the richness of the archive that we were able to to find just kind of illustrated the story. So no more so that like that sequence just mm. re it really comes together the the connection between 
Irish music and you know music from different parts of Europe and and how it fed into and evolved in in America and you know it, like that piece from from Aggie White mm -hmm. is just like kind of archive gold. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. to, to kind of bring that sequence to light and the, and that idea behind it. Can you pinpoint any other moments that you were particularly pleased with in the how things drew together different strands? Um, uh, another thing I think we, we kind of worked on was just the, because there's so many different journeys, the kind of the layers of the music and stuff like that, that we, we wanted to give importance to the, the, the means of, of recording, which were his kind of the tools of his trade. Mm -hmm. So we sort of came up with that idea of, of meshing that constantly, that that was constantly you know, built into the fabric of the, of the story. And not only did you use archival music, you also recorded live music for it. Was that a challenge? Was that uh, an exciting part of it? You know, to, to record so many musicians <laughs> yeah, throughout the movie? Yeah, well? I suppose it was, it was a challenge, but uh, the, the thing is, it was, it was brilliant to have such brilliant musicians. Um, that was a dream. The, uh, and I suppose part of that was to get uh, was to show that the music was alive or whatever. Because actually, I think there was a Chris O'Donoghue who was here, who was on the crew one day, said to me, how do you show this music is alive? And you're kind of thinking, uh, well, actually the way to show it is to show it as it is today. And we try to, we try to weave that in, but without making a big point of it. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the other great thing is that the people that we approached uh, were all really keen to take part in it, because they all love Van Lomax and some brilliant performances. Again, okay, yeah, showing the regards, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I could stay chatting to you for the night, but I am going to throw the questions out to the floor. So, um, we do have roving mics, so Fanagy, uh, if you do have a question, throw your hand up there and we'll get to you. I'm going to test Ella. Yeah. Um, what I was very impressed with was how Lomax appeared to gain the trust of the black people and the black prisoners uh, in order to... Uh, make their contribution uh, to the film, and is it known how he managed to do that? Because obviously they wouldn't have had any reason to trust white person coming along uh, to record them. Do you have any comments? Um, I, I think when he first went out, him and his father, he, uh, I suppose he just spent time with them, and he started off going into prisons, and. Uh, one of the reasons was they felt that that was where you got the pure kind of culture of the blacks. Um, and to, to, but to be honest, they were the first, some of the first recordings were done under the watch of the, of the overseers in the prisons, like the, the white guards. And you know, to perhaps, to be quite brutally honest, those first recordings, they had really no choice. Um, but what he would do, I suppose as he developed, and what he did by the time he came to Ireland, like you know that thing with Aggie White for example, you hear that he's playing a tune that he's recorded in America, and then she recognises that, go, you know, I, we actually have that here. He would generally, because he was a bit of a musician himself, one way he used to relax people is he'd play them a bit of music, and then they would relax and, and, give, uh, and be able to give a performance. So, and, you, and you can imagine, um, you can imagine that uh, coloured people, black people, wouldn't be asked. I think that came across as well. That you know, the the that anyone coming to them to ask them to sing that that there was a value to what they did. So there would have been, I suppose, that would have come into it in a big way. You know. And he did say that it was 
the, the best music he'd ever heard. Yeah. You know, in, in so the conditions where he recorded it, to have such soul and to have, so yeah. Probably picked up on that. You're all very well behaved. <laughs> Just like one moment. Thanks very much for telling us how, um, how um, Anna Lomax came to Ireland. And you mentioned, uh, you showed in the film how Seamus Ennis worked with him. And I'd be interested to find out how they actually met or how he'd heard of Seamus Ennis. And just to remind you that Seamus Ennis would be 100 years um, since he was born next year. And uh, he spoke, uh, I don't know how many different languages, but he spoke fluent Irish in the three Connells and also uh, Scots Gaelic. And he went over to Scotland and was employed by the BBC to collect music there. So it'd be lovely to see a film about Seamus Dennis, born <laughs> in the yeah. film. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing that we could go, because it's fantastic what Ennis had, had, had achieved. And I mean, it's something to be very proud of that when Lomax arrived here, we couldn't, can't dwell on too much. He actually discovered people that were really ahead of their game in terms of recording culture and folk music in, in the Folklore Commission. Like we were, we were, the, the, we were very good at that and had, were kind of quite far seeing, but not an awful lot of it, a little bit. And he came in with new technology and a, a kind of a, a gung-ho American attitude. Uh, as yeah, Ennis, uh, he heard about Ennis because he was the first place, he, he was doing a bit of work between uh, American and British radio, the BBC, in America, and he contacted somebody in the BBC about, you know, who should I talk to if I go to America, go to Ireland? Because he obviously needed somebody, as we say in the film, to guide him, and he was just told immediately there's only one man, that's Seamus Ennis. So the first, he got off the boat, literally got off the boat, and drove to uh, Fingal and to Seamus Ennis's house, and they started playing music, started having a few drinks, and uh, Alan took out his recording machine. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah, that's it. So he's vital to the story. And if I can just jump in there, because Robin Roberts was instrumental to a lot of the, the finds, if you like. I think she heard Maggie Barry singing in, in Dundalk, yeah. was it? On a street yeah. corner, and ran back to the hotel, got him. That's right, yeah. Rob, Robin Roberts, who we kind of mentioned there, who's the, as just mentioned, his girlfriend at the time. Uh, she was a singer in her own right, and again, she, she helped as well. Actually, Robin, I think, from what you read, might have been even better in relaxing the musicians. Because that's really important. I mean, Paul would know that. Like, the thing is, you're quite right about that. Like, he had to relax musicians and get lovely performances from them. And, like, that's a real skill in itself. Deglon, co-gardicus lect. I go right. Just kish to go mart. Er olam al nomax ein gwaeg in er vi she ne'er. Ne'er, she ain't to go get the book Gaelic egg. I see them there landless shit in Connemara. I see screw she ain't and deal in the vi Just curse she ain't to sir. Grow Gaelic on. Because in rod, rod a simple wine. Na ni ruisa so, uh, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> shade, he yeah, I don't know how fluent he was after a while. Immersion. Yeah. Yeah. Declan, I was born Neil Wickes, like Scanon, Intergon Cray. I'm privileged to have John Ott, Scanon, a grow culture in the hair. We shall assemble the V. Really, she wanted to be alone in the Anselmo, Irulinard, 
Well, I was going to tell you at the end, but I can tell you now, it will be um, on TG Car Broadcast uh, next Sunday, the 16th at 9.30, and also Wednesday the 19th at 10.30, if you want to spread the word or see it again or put it on the player. Is that correct? Yeah, the, the that's it, that's it, yeah. I suppose yeah, it's an interesting question because it's like how do you 
how do we show the value of something when it just becomes so common um, and, and kind of free? And I suppose you, even, it's interesting like the way people are getting vinyl again, because we, I mean, as I say, this for me is a film about just music and how fantastic it is. And often you want to show in some way that it is a, a, a thing of value. And, yeah, and that is an interesting thing. How, how do you make a thing of value when it's just free and overly accessible? But there's so many musicians, you know? Yeah, I, I think, um my first, my thought on that is is always um, music to me on It has to, performance, whatever it is. Um, it needs to be um, captured in a way that comes from the heart on And when you do that, you know you're listening to something very very special. And having come through, you know, the different technology of of you know even before or after what Lomax was doing here, you know, where, where it was all tape and now it's all digital and, and it's, you know, it's so fast you can record this and it's going on the internet at the same time. It's so instantaneous. But it's all about performance. It's, it's all about being in a room with somebody who is either unconsciously being recorded or conscious, whatever it is, and knowing that that performance is the one that she or he wants to do. And once you capture that, it doesn't matter what, what you're recording on, you know, whatever it is, I, th I think. Maybe Ken on Ella. <coughs> it was marvellous. Could you talk a little about the Queen Because that is the longest stretch superbly sung queen that I can ever remember having the privilege of hearing. Can you talk, find, talk a little bit about it? Um, well, that's from your next door neighbour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. And uh, I spoke to her about it. Uh, as I remember what she told me about um, when she went, um, when she heard that he was, I think she went to Letterkenny or something like that to be recorded and she sang Cunlock Loss and we heard a, a version of that and uh, Good Night I mean but he was pressing her for other other songs and stuff like that and he mentioned it was him that mentioned Queenie and she said I just started singing mm -hmm. and it that that was it she, she, she didn't have anything it wasn't like it was pre-planned, but obviously she would have heard it, and uh, it's it's quite it's very evocative. It's an amazing, um, it's an amazing performance, you know. Deidre, can one? Yeah. And I I I came from Clegg in Connemara because. I had a feeling uh, I should make a great effort because I just thought that this would be one of the highlights of the year so far, and it really has been. And, and what occurs to me is with, with, with uh, modern technology, you know, with people's identities being so fragile, and they seem to have an almost existential fear of being, that they're building a kind of a cyber self. And as someone made a joke about Descartes lately, that they say, I selfie, therefore I am. 
she would give her the story of the song first and then the words, no, they had the words and the melody would be the last thing and then would say, now go and sing it your own way, which I think is a wonderful thing to say to somebody that's handing down songs. Um, so this song, I'm sure a lot of you, I know I go about, where I Kitty do, from my own, because it's about um, in case there's a couple of people who wouldn't know the story, but I'm sure you do, about Amoija Mwara. Amoija Mwara is the mermaid, and uh, it's, it's stories around the world with similar kind of references. Um, but it's about um, this woman that had a certain cloak. They said also they referred to it as a crown as well, one or the other. But um, she used this to um, to become a woman, and or to become a mermaid, it would be. Um, but she met a farmer, okay, I'm wrong, she met a fisherman, and of course, and uh, she fell in love, and uh, they had two children, and one day the children were out playing, and um, found the cloak, and brought it to their mother, and she felt the draw um, of the sea um, was stronger, uh, even though she adored her family. So it's called a white gym water. Is Oh, 
for Neil Mandy and his Slalom Aria Dunkinet, uh, Sunday the 9th, 16th, 9.30, and Wednesday the 19th at 10.30, or TG Cahar. Gramina Maggie, Slalom Aria.